Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. And Father, we just want to thank you on this day for your love, for your grace, for your forgiveness. Father, we thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. And because of that, that we can have life. And Father, we thank you that on the 27th anniversary of Fellowship of the Rockies, of what you have done, of what you have done through your people that have just come to know you and then to begin to serve you. And so, Lord, this day we tell you thank you. We just simply ask to do what you've been doing for 27 years here at Fellowship of the Rockies. Would you just speak to us? Just speak to us. Would you just touch our soul in a way that only you can do that? And would we find hope? Would we find encouragement? For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles or electronic devices, if you'd like to follow along, you can either turn to or click to John chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 11 is where we're going to be this morning. And if, if you don't have a Bible with you or electronic device where you can pull up God's Word, no worries. Uh, the words are going to come up on the screens in a few minutes as I read them. But I alluded to it in my prayer, and so it's like 27 years ago, almost to the day, October the 16th of 1995, when I came out in a welcome, and I welcomed a new congregation, and, and it was the birth of Fellowship of the Rockies, and, and, and God birthed Fellowship of the Rockies right here. So in some respects, it's like, it's like going home. And I've told you the story, we didn't know who was going to show up, we didn't know how many was going to show up. Fact is, in those days, we just had a simple core group of 30 people that just wanted God to do something special in a community. And so we didn't know how many people were going to show up. We didn't know who was going to show up, but we, know, we knew this, God was going to show up. And God has been showing up every day ever since. And when you look at this, you just look around and look how big we are now. Look what God has done in this place. We don't need one service. We need two services. And, 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 honestly, and honestly, we need a bigger building. We just need a bigger building, and we're working to that, and so we're, but we're on God's timing, and God's timing is perfect. But when I, I look back over the 27 years, I just, I thank God for you. Just what an honor. Just what an honor. Yes, God has done some great things in this church, but he's also brought some great people to this church. And so when I look back over the 27 years, I remember when we came, when Karen and I is on the front row, and when we came, uh, we had a young family. We had two daughters in the third and the fourth grade, and, and not only has the church grown, but our, our, our family has grown. Uh, they're both married, and so we have five grandkids, and so the grandkids are going to be in the next service, and so I'm sure they're going to listen to every word I have to say. And so... Uh, but, but one of the things that, that has caused me at my age and being a grandfather, and maybe you've had some of these thoughts as well if you're in my stage of life, I've looked back over some of the things that we did in parenting or I've looked back over some of the nursery rhymes that we like taught our kids and I realized how depressing those things were. 
I mean, have you ever thought about it? Like the nursery rhyme, you know, rock-a-bye baby uh, in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. And when the bell breaks, the cradle will fall. And down will come baby, or down will come cradle, baby and all. You know, like, get in the tree swing now, honey. I mean, have you ever thought of that? Or how about Mother Goose? Oh, my word. Even she's suspect. Here, here's what we would say. There was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she did not know what to do. She gave them some broth without any bread, and she whipped them all soundly and put them to bed? I mean, now we would be not dialing 911, right? We'd call the authorities. I mean, we don't even know what they did. But how about, how about bedtime prayers? Uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Uh, now then, I realize with our kids, no wonder they wanted water before bedtime or maybe one last meal. I mean, they, who, who, who knows what's going to happen? And so, uh, but how about one of our favorites, Humpty Dumpty, and maybe you could help me with this. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had, and all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty back together again. When you look at the life of Humpty Dumpty, you realize that he went to all the experts of his day. He read all the books. He trusted in government. He trusted in experts. He trusted in books. He trusted in self-help stuff. But no matter what, they could not put him back together again. They had no answer for his issues. They had no answer for his, pro for his problems. Unfortunately, they didn't know to turn to the one that could help him. They could put him back together again because, listen, if you've lived life any length of time, you know every one of us can go through a crisis and every one of us can go through a tragedy to where all of a sudden that only God can, like, put us back together again. Only God can help us. And so we've been in a series, a season here at Fellowship of the Rockies. If you know this, uh, if you've been with us, you know this. Uh, we saw God started doing something interesting through the last couple of years here. We started seeing God meet people in a special way in the midst of their crisis. That they were able to say, in fact is, God gave us a verse, Psalm 27, 13, and 14, that just says this simply, I am certain that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the life that I am living. And then he goes on and he just says, wait for the Lord and be strong. And allow your heart just to be courageous to believe that. And then wait for the Lord. So all of a sudden, we started getting stories in our congregation about what God was doing. He was meeting people in the midst of crisis. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about in the midst of crisis, God showed up, Jesus showed up, and said, I'm the resurrection and the life. So we started gathering these stories, and we said, well, what if? What if we started interviewing people and let's get these stories out and let's call out the things that God is doing in our midst so we have a story for you this morning it's Donna and and, and uh, um, I just they're good friends of mine Troy and Donna Lagratoria I just I, I just spaced it we have their story for you this morning would you watch the video behind me for the last almost 12 years every morning I wake up and I ask God to destroy the cancer in my wife's body. It sounds really weird even saying it, but it is a blessing. 
I'm Donna Lagrateria, and I started coming to Fellowship of the Rockies in 2002. I, I very vividly remember my children and I coming here the first Sunday, and they had a baptism, um, and I love baptisms. And the next Sunday we came, and there was another baptism. Um, and then the third Sunday we came, and there was another baptism, and that's when I decided if God was working the way he was working here, that this is where I wanted to be. I was a strong Christian at that point, single, workaholic. It was here in the church that I found the love of my life. I really struggled with whether or not I would ever marry again, whether it was right. And after a lot of prayer and fasting and searching the scriptures, God revealed to me that he could do whatever he wanted to. And if he wanted to bring a woman in my life that would complete me and that he could use us for his glory, that he could do that. We got engaged and a couple of weeks later, we found out that I had cancer and I needed lung surgery. And Troy said, we've got to get married. We got to get married now because I want to be there to take care of you after your surgery. I knew it would be very difficult to take care of her if we weren't married. Even though we knew we were going to be married, I knew it would be very difficult. Um, and I didn't want her to go through that alone. So we talked to Pastor Charlie and Pastor Charlie said, name the date and we'll have it done. So we're talking like four or five days. And four days later, we had the most beautiful wedding. I mean, everybody flew in within four days. It's funny because, you know, the first couple of years you're supposed to get to know each other and talk to each other and figure out who's who and how you're going to do your life. Well, wham, bam, we started with my cancer. A couple of weeks before that, his daughter had tried to commit suicide and she had to be placed in a Christian ranch in another state. We just had all these plans in life and God just smiled and said, those aren't the plans I had for you. The cancer has been, I hate to say this, but a blessing. Because of my illness, we have been able to go into the pastoral care service and jump in there and I can empathize with people and I can speak to them from a standpoint of being a patient myself and then I can pray with them and love on them. You were given a year to live nearly seven years ago. Um, every day you realize what a blessing it is to have that person still in your life. It just seems like no matter what we're doing, God shows up. It's helped us to appreciate what really matters, not the stuff you have, uh, not the home you live in, not the car you drive, you know, not the job you have, but to really appreciate what's important. And it helps you focus on if I only have a little bit longer to live, you know, what does he want me to do? You know, what's he calling me to do? But when we got back from Pakistan, I was told, oh no, it's progressed, it's stage four and you've got one year of life to live. That was 2015, now it's 2022. So we can all laugh at what the doctor said and yes, I am a doctor, but you know what? God's plan is better. And at first I was a little sad that we could no longer do long-term missions. But you know what? The mission field is wherever God has you. And in my experience, he uses us in small ways to begin with. 
And as we show ourselves faithful in the little things, he gradually gives us more and more influence in the area around us. So whether it's those huge miracles or whether it's the little bitty joys, God is with you every single moment of every single day. And I want people to know when they have struggles, they're not struggling alone. There's people at church that God uses. There's friends that God uses. There's the Holy Spirit that speaks to God directly for you. You are not alone when you're struggling. God loves you. If you have a story, if you have a story, we would love to hear from you. I will never forget when I, when I did their wedding, and it was a moment when they took their vows in sickness and in health. And they're the first couple, I, we, we still laugh about this, but they're the first couple that I actually went on their honeymoon with them. <laughs> so no worries, if I do your wedding, that does not mean I'm going to show up at your honeymoon. They were actually happy to see me. We, we, did, we did their wedding. They spent their honeymoon in Denver because Donna had a major surgery that next day. And I showed up. I want to talk to you this morning about what happens when God shows up. What happens when God shows up in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a difficulty. See, word got to Jesus that his friend Lazarus was, was sick and it was terminal. And it was serious. And so it's in this crisis, it's in this moment that Jesus makes the statement, I am the resurrection and the life. And so that's why on this Easter Sunday we look at that. We'll pick up the story, John chapter 11, verse 1 and 3. He says, now, now man, man was sick, Lazarus uh, from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sister sent a message to, to, to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. So this morning I'm going to give you three truths, three truths that we need to hang on to for this Easter season, for the Easter day. And the first one is this, and you may have already caught on to it, only God can meet your deepest need. Only God, all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And guess what? Only God can meet your deepest need. And in case you do not know that this morning, your deepest need and my deepest need is salvation. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Coming an end to faith for the forgiveness of your sins, eternal life. I am the resurrection and the life, what Jesus says. See, there, there's a danger for every one of us. There's a danger, there's a false belief that we can come to the place and just absolutely believe, you know what? All the king's horses and all the king's men can put me back together again. Guess what? I can trust in myself. I can trust in my, in, uh, my, my abilities. I can trust in myself. And there's a danger in someone's life never coming to the place to realize only God can save you. Only God can meet your deepest need. Listen, if you do not understand that this morning, that only Christ, only God can meet your deepest need, only God can give you salvation, then Easter doesn't really mean that much to you. If you believe you can work your way to heaven, do more good stuff than bad stuff, 
then Easter doesn't carry the same meaning as when you understand that only God for actually Romans 3:23 the scripture says this for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and so when you look at this you realize that our sin separates us from God and Paul goes on in Romans and says Romans in 6:23 for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus so first thing is this only God can meet your deepest need, which is salvation, which is forgiveness of sin. The second thing is this. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There was a recent survey that was just recently done, and it was like on the street interview, and they started asking some people some questions. Are you going to go to heaven? And 90% of the people said, yes, we're going to go to heaven. And they said, well, why do you believe that? And, they, and the most common answers that came back was, because I'm a good person, because I'm a moral person, or, or because I'm better than Joe, or I'm better than Jane, or something like that. Like God grades on a curve. And so listen if, you, listen, if you can save yourself, if you can work your way to heaven, if you can do more good stuff than bad stuff, then can I ask you a question? Why did Jesus come and die on a cross for you? Why did he go through the pain and the agony of a torturous death, rose on the third day, if you could work your way to heaven? When you look at this, you find Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. He says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's a gift. It's, it is God's gift. Not from what? Not from work. So no one can boast. And some of you may have been raised in churches where you were taught, or maybe you came to believe that being a Christian or going to heaven was about being really, really moral or keeping the rules or keeping the regulations. And if you just make the right decisions, you can, like, work your way to heaven. So word gets to Jesus about Lazarus, and we just pick up the story, verse 4, in John chapter 11. He says, when, when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God. So the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he, he was sick, he stayed two more days in that place where he was. So, so Jesus finally gets to the village. Jesus gets to the village. It's four days after the death of Lazarus, which means they were, it was a funeral. It was a funeral. So verse 17, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come uh, to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, two common reactions when we go through crisis and difficult, difficulty is this, is that maybe, maybe we're like Mary. Or maybe you're like Mary, where you just remain seated in the house to where something happens, something is bigger than you, you walk through a crisis, and as a result of that, you become disillusioned, you become cynical, and as a result of that, you just sit in the house. You no longer, you no, no longer worship. You no longer pray, if you will. You're just angry, you're just frustrated, and you just sit in the house. Maybe you're like Mar Mary and walk through something like that, and as a result of that, it caused you to pull back. And maybe something's happened in your life that you would be like, 
Mary and say, at one time in my life, I walked closely to him, but something happened. Something happened, and I remained seated in the house, but maybe, maybe you'd say, you know what, I'm a little bit more like Martha. Martha is the one that went out to meet Jesus, but she says, if you had been here. Other translations, other versions will actually say, if only. Maybe you've lived in that, if only. If only you had done something. I mean, how far would that go for you? Because I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking this morning that maybe all of us have experienced something in our life where we've had those if-only moments. And I, I just want to tell you this morning, God can handle your if-only moments. You know why? You're still praying. You're still going out to meet him. You're still in a relationship with him. And maybe you've gone through a time in your life where you have said, if only, if only you'd take, kept my parents together, if only you'd given us a child, if only that doctor's report had come back negative, if only you'd saved my marriage, if only if you'd changed my spouse, if only if you'd given me that job. But the good news is this, just like he did with Martha, he can do it, he will work through your if only statements. John chapter 37, or John chapter 11, verse 37, but some of them said, couldn't he open the blind man's eyes also, have kept this man from dying? So now we know Mary and Martha weren't alone, right? There was another group of people saying, hey, he answered John's prayers. Why didn't he answer your prayers? I mean, why didn't he take care of this for you? And maybe you've had some of those moments. God, if you can. And maybe it's been a year ago. Maybe it's been 10 years ago. Maybe it's been 20 years ago. And we know this, right? Life is hard and life is difficult. There are things that you and I can walk through that all the king's horses and all the king's men have no answer. Cannot put us back together again. Salvation is more than just what happens on the other side of the grave. Salvation is this. Salvation starts the moment you accept him. The moment you come into relationship with him, because Jesus says, I've come to give you life and to give you life, that life more abundantly. Then in verse 23 and 24, he, Jesus answers, and he says, your brother will rise again. And Jesus told her, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So now what Martha is thinking, she's thinking, oh, he's telling me what everybody says at, at, at funerals, right? where you say he's just in a he's just in a better place. He's talking about he's talking about he's talking about heaven. That's not what Jesus was talking about. It's just a funny story and it's, this is just like for free this morning but but I I I have a really good friend that uh he was like raised in church and I mean raised in church. If you've been raised in church, you know what that means. Every time the doors are open, you're there. And so he was like in the first or the second grade. This man dies in their church and he really didn't know him the man and his mom didn't really know the man but because the man was in their church they went to the funeral now his mom didn't prepare him for the a funeral he had never been to a funeral before and so they walk into the church and all of a sudden he sees this man like like lying in a box in front of the church and so he he turned to the man uh, I'm sorry he turned to his mom and he said mom why is he lying in a box he was traumatized and she says honey he's in a better place she's like mom where did he live before 
what kind of house did he live in before? So when you look at this, this is, what, this is what Martha is thinking. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and, and, and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Verse 25, Jesus is making a statement, I am God. I am the Messiah. I am the one that has come to save the world, to take away the sins. I am the life. There's a lot of us that if we're not careful, we, we will try to find life through possessions and through pleasures and through relationships or maybe even accomplishments. But we know that life can only be found in him. Can I ask you something? The same thing that Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Here's what she said, verse 27. She said, yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. And then Jesus walks over the tomb in verse 38. Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead for four days. Sometimes I'm a little bit like Martha, like God's taking the big stuff, taking care of the big stuff in my life, and I'm, I'm worried about the details. She's worried that he has an odor. I'm sure that if he can raise, her, raise him to newness of life, he'll take care of the odor as well. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Our worship team is going to make their way up, and we're just going to sing just a few moments. We're going to sing last, one last worship song together just as a dedication. Verse 43, 43, it says, after he said this, Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. And then Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. That is the picture of the church. That is what we do for one another. We unwrap each other and help each other find freedom. The last principle is this, is the resurrection impacts my daily life. The resurrection, because he is the resurrection and the life it impacts our, day, our daily life. This is why Easter is so important. Because he, he, his life affects everyone. A lot of people will look at this text and say, well, well, the most powerful moment is when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Now, that was the most powerful moment for Lazarus. But I think the most powerful moment for us is verse 25. And Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? After this statement, it was only days later that Jesus would be arrested. He'd be nailed to a cross. He would pay for the sins of the world that we could never pay. And he would take our sin upon himself and he would become our Messiah, he, Messiah our Savior. 
and he was buried. And on the third day, he would walk out of the grave and say, I'm the resurrection of life. And whoever believes in me will never die. Let me ask you, do you believe this? All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And you may wonder this morning, why would a church go to so much effort to hold a worship service on Easter Sunday off-site, all the work, all the time that goes into it? That is for one reason, to declare that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords can put you back together again. I am the resurrection and the life. That's why, that's why Easter, that's why Easter is so important. That's why Easter is so critical. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just ask you, I ask this question at the close of every service. What is God saying to you this morning? Not what is Charlie saying to you? What is God saying to you? And what is your next step? And maybe you need to enter into a relationship with him. And maybe you need to re realize that he is the resurrection and the life. And that when you believe in him, when you accept him for the forgiveness of your sins, salvation starts then and he impacts your life. But maybe this morning, maybe you've already done that. And maybe you're sitting here and say, you know what, I, I can relate to Mary. I've been, I have been seated in my house for about two years. About two years. I no longer engage in worship. I no longer follow him like I once did. And maybe you would say, I, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. But maybe you'd say, you know what, I'm like, I'm like Martha. I have some if-onlys. I have some if-onlys. Well, good news, he can handle your if-onlys. So whatever he has for you this morning, would you be obedient to him? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for salvation. For we ask these things in Jesus' name.